A few weeks ago now, we began the third movement of our extended sermon series, Phaseology, the sermon series that began back in August about the Holy Spirit, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. We began that third movement a few weeks ago by considering the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. We defined a few weeks ago the church as God's people gathered together in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And we, we talked about the church being that new spiritual temple in which believers in Jesus are bricks in the wall bound together by the mortar of the Holy Spirit. And so the church is the kill switch that undoes the natural human impulse to build life around the self. And in God's Word, in the Bible, we see uh, characteristics. We understand from Scripture what the church is to look like, what it's supposed to be, what it's supposed to do. There are characteristics of God's people gathered in Jesus through the Spirit that should be a part of the church in all times and in all places. And in Acts chapter 2, as Dorothy read for us this morning, in Acts chapter 2, we have the birth of the church with the coming of the Holy Spirit. And in that same chapter, we have a listing out of four marks, four characteristics that John Stott considers to be evidence for a spirit-filled church. Specifically, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we read that that earliest church, the 3,120 people that ended the day of Pentecost gathered together in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. They devoted themselves, notice the plural in there, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The church, the gathering of individuals in Jesus through the Spirit brought together under the Scriptures, brought together in fellowship, brought together for worship. Today, we're going to look at the first of those marks, this devotion to the apostles' teaching. You'll see in your bulletin on the inside page, the, the big idea for today, as, long, as well as the scriptures that I'll be referencing, the big idea is the church, God's people gathered together in Jesus through the Spirit is devoted to the apostles' teaching. The first question that we have to ask and answer, however, is this whole idea of devotion. What does it mean to be devoted to something? Perhaps a simple explanation or definition you see projected before you. Devotion is commitment with attentive and diligent pursuit. But devotion is something that is perhaps better understood by way of illustration than explanation. There's a lot of big words in that definition that I've given you. This morning, words that, quite frankly, I'm not sure that I use on a daily basis. Attentive, diligent, pursuit. Certainly, our culture doesn't use the word commitment too much anymore, but that's a different sermon. So by way of illustration, what does devotion look like? Award-winning actor Daniel Day-Lewis is a great illustration for devotion because he is an actor who has an amazing reputation for being a method actor. My understanding of what a method actor is and does basically means they do a lot of weird stuff in order to get ready to play the role that they've been given to play. So, for example, 
an article by Dan Jackson tracks some of the things that this actor, Daniel Day-Lewis, has done to show us what devotion looks like. Uh, while filming a movie called My Left Foot, his character was wheelchair-bound, and because his, wheelchair, his character was wheelchair-bound, Day-Lewis insisted on remaining in his wheelchair, even while they were not filming, even while they went to a restaurant to eat dinner. He insisted on remaining in the chair and had to be lifted across the lighting cables each day to reach the set to film. He won an Oscar award for that, that uh, role. Perhaps you know Day-Lewis from his role as Hawkeye in Last of the Mohicans. Anyone remember that movie? I love that movie. It was fantastic. Uh, he learned to play that role, produced and made in the mid-1990s. He learned to track and skin animals. He learned to fight with a tomahawk, and he learned to fire and reload a 12-pound 12 12 flintlock rifle while on the run. He even carried that 12-pound flintlock rifle with him wherever he went, including Christmas dinner. <laughs> he was filming The Crucible, and so in order to prepare for The Crucible, he stayed on a Massachusetts island without electricity or running water. He planted fields. He built his character's house with 17th century tools. He spent nearly three years training to be a boxer for one role, and he caught pneumonia while filming Gangs of New York because he refused to wear a modern coat in freezing temperatures. Devotion is illustrated for us by Daniel Day-Lewis. It's a commitment to something, and it's the firm and persistent faithful pursuit of that something. Like Daniel Day-Lewis, devotion is a full-body commitment to the object of devotion. Being devoted to an object means you pursue it with constant attention and continual action that simply doesn't let up. It doesn't give up. It doesn't walk away. From a different angle, perhaps we can consider that the object of our devotion exercises authority over us as it guides our life. It informs the decisions that we make. It frames our activities. It orders our very being to be the best Hawkeye he could be. The man learned how to build canoes. He learned how to operate a 12-pound flintlock rifle while on the run and how to track and skin an animal. It formed him. It informed him, and we, I think we can say it transformed him. And that's what devotion does. That's what the object of devotion does. It forms us, it informs us, it transforms us. And so the earliest church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They're committed to these four marks of the Spirit-filled church, and their commitment was more than words. It was a full-bodied, full-person commitment with the dogged pursuit, the diligent chasing after. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the prayers, these were objects of the church's devotion, and as such, these four things formed, informed, and transformed the church. The church, God's people gathered together in Jesus through the Spirit, is still devoted to the apostles' teaching. So we know now what devotion is, but what in the world is the apostles' teaching? Well, first, 
the apostles' teaching is the teaching that comes from the apostles. Thank you, Captain Obvious. The teaching that comes from the apostles, however, is significant precisely because of who the apostles were. They were men especially selected and called by Jesus to walk alongside him, to learn from him, to witness his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection and ascension, and then they were sent out on mission by him. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave the apostles a very specific mission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Now, the apostles weren't alone in receiving this mission and the power of the Holy Spirit from Jesus, but they were specifically sent to give witness and testimony about Jesus as the foundation of the church. They had authority because of their closeness to Jesus. They were entrusted as guardians of the deposit of truth, guardians of the teachings of Jesus. And therein lies the content of their teaching. The apostles' teaching is from the apostles, but it is teaching about Jesus. A great example of this is found in Peter's sermons in Acts chapters 2 and 3 and his statements before the leaders of the Jewish faith in Acts chapter 4. It's gospel preaching. It's preaching about Jesus. It's kingdom preaching. It's preaching about Jesus. This apostolic preaching, it is apostolic because it is Jesus preaching. The apostles' teaching, however, was more than just Jesus' biography. It's not about just facts about Christ. No, as Peter's examples show us, the apostles' teaching, the apostles' preaching was about sin and salvation, about Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. It was about his ascension and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The apostles' teaching was about Jesus' kingdom and, and living within his kingdom, the true ordering of life. And so the apostles' teaching would have also been teaching that Jesus himself taught. The apostles' teaching is from the apostles about Jesus. It is from Jesus. Again, that word, teach them what I have taught you, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The earliest church as a corporate body and as the constituent members were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And in that devotion, they revealed their desire, their hunger even, to know Jesus more, to understand Jesus more, to love Jesus more. This is about learning from the apostles, learning about Jesus, learning from Jesus. John Stott says that this teaching of the apostles and the devotion of the church marks the church out. A spirit-filled church is a learning church. The church, God's people gathered together in Jesus through the Holy Spirit, was devoted to the apostles' teaching. It still is. While there may not be apostles in the sense of Peter and Paul walking amongst us today, we do have the faithful and perfect witness of the apostles' teaching. We have the New Testament. Scholar F.F. Bruce once commented that in due course, this apostolic teaching took written shape in the New Testament Scripture. 
Something that was new in my mind as I prepared for this particular sermon is a reflection from Sinclair Ferguson on Jesus' promise to his disciples on the evening of his betrayal. In John chapter 14, at verse 26, Jesus said, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Sinclair Ferguson believes that this promise of Jesus is reflected in the writings of the apostles as he says, it is a specific promise to the apostles which found its fulfillment in their writing of the New Testament scriptures. So we may not have Peter walking amongst us. We do have the apostles' teaching written down, inscripturated for us. So the apostles' teaching is found in the pages of the New Testament, in the Holy Spirit-inspired testimony from Jesus, about Jesus, with authority, with written witness. And I'd also like to draw our attention to something we heard Deacon John read this morning from the risen Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 24. On that road to Emmaus, he's talking with two of his disciples who do not yet recognize him. He said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And notice what happens next. Beginning with Moses and all of the prophets... Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things necessary, the things concerning himself. And so I believe there to be an expansive component to the apostles' teaching because all of scripture is about Jesus. It either points forward to him, it either proclaims him, or it interprets life in light of him, looking back to him. So the book of Acts reveals even that St. Paul followed a pretty consistent pattern. When he entered into a new city, he would first go to the synagogue of the city and teach about Jesus doing what? Using the scriptures, the Old Testament. Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, the eunuch is reading from Isaiah chapter 53, and he says, I can't understand this. Philip says, in light of Jesus, this is what that means. So when our Anglican tradition defines the church, it does so by stating the visible church of Christ is a congregation of faithful men in which the pure word of God is preached. The pure word of God means the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the whole counsel of God, the entirety of scriptures read and understood in the light of Christ. The church, God's people gathered together in Jesus through the Spirit, is devoted to the apostles' teaching and to all of the Scriptures. But why? What difference does this make? What a phenomenal question. (laughs) What is devotion? What is the apostles' teaching? And now, what difference does it make? On October 31st, 1517, A monk by the name of Martin Luther sparked a controversy that became the Protestant Reformation. He did this by posting 95 theses statements, uh, 95 theses, statements that he wanted to openly debate with other leaders in the church. The 62nd thesis uh, proclaimed, the true treasure of the church is the most holy gospel of the glory and grace of God. The church is devoted to the apostles' teaching and all of Scripture It is the true treasure of the church because the word of God forms us, informs us, and transforms us. The church is devoted to the apostles' teaching and the entirety of the word of God because this is where we hear the gospel. 
Holy Scripture contains all things necessary for salvation, as our sixth article says, as we read in a foundational document from Anglican history. Folks, there is salvation found nowhere else because Jesus is proclaimed nowhere else. The scriptures of other religions are not the same, do not point to the same God because Jesus is not found in the same way within them. The writings of Buddha, the writings of Muhammad, and the Bible are not the same because Jesus is different in all of them. He doesn't even show up in the things of Buddha, and he didn't write anything down anyway. It's not the same. Jesus is found in Scripture. That's why the church is devoted to it. Because Jesus is there. Because in the apostolic witness, the proclamation of Scripture, that is where Jesus is found. Not just biography, not just facts, but Jesus himself. And so we devote ourselves to the Scripture. The the church, God's gathered people in Jesus through the Spirit, are devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the whole of Scripture, because that is where life and salvation in Jesus is found. He's found in the Scriptures. And these Scriptures form a people. The people of God found in the Old Testament are a people gathered together for a purpose. Deuteronomy chapter 18, for example, the people of God are gathered to God to hear the word of God. They're brought to the mount, uh, the foot of Mount Sinai to hear the proclamation of God's word through an appointed spokesman. An author that I greatly admire, a British man named Christopher Ashe, He points out that Deuteronomy foreshadows for us the normative shape of the church, an assembly called together by the word of God, called together to hear the preached word of God, called together as a place of unity of the whole people of God, and called together under grace and so filled with joy. The scriptures form the church in all of time and history, and the scriptures form the local manifestations of the church. The Word of God, rightly preached, is an essential hallmark of the church. The church, God's people, gathered together in Jesus through the Spirit, devoted to the apostles' teaching and all the Scriptures because they form a people. And so let us continue, let us devote ourselves to the corporate hearing of God's Word. The Scriptures inform the faith. They give a content to belief. For the earliest church and for the church today, the content of belief is shaped by the scriptures, the apostles' teaching, the whole counsel of God. It is within the pages of scripture that we see, hear, and understand the true story of God's world. It is here that we see, hear, and understand sin and salvation, justification and sanctification. It is here that we see Christ crucified, risen, and ascended. Pastor Gordon Smith puts it this way, to be a Christian is to live in the text. The scriptures reveal God's eternal plans in Jesus. They show us the one who is sovereign over all creation. They reveal to us the best way, God's way to be human. The scriptures reveal who to believe and how to live in response to the grace given us. They also inform the purpose and the mission of the church. And so it is our vision to glorify God by blessing people with gospel ministries, that they may believe in Jesus and join us in building his kingdom. That's actually formed and informed by careful study of passages such as Matthew chapter 28 and Acts 1. 
Everything a church does, everything we do must be formed and informed by Scripture, by the Word of God, because that's where Jesus is found. The church, God's people gathered together in Jesus through the Spirit, is devoted to the apostles' teaching in all the Scriptures because they inform a faithful people. And so let us devote ourselves to read and study God's Word. The Scriptures also transform the church and transform the believers within the church. Formed by the Scriptures, the church is devoted to the Scriptures, desires them, diligently pursues them as they are a means through which the Holy Spirit informs our faith and transforms us into the very image of Jesus. The Holy Spirit works in and through God's Word as it is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the divisions of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The Holy Spirit takes and applies the Word of God to the lives of God's people and in that application transforms them by grace. The church, God's people gathered together in Jesus through the Spirit is devoted to the apostles' teaching and all the scriptures because they transform a faithful people. And so let us devote ourselves to seek the Spirit's work of transformation through God's Word. Devotion is commitment to something and the faithful pursuit of that something. Devotion is a full body, full person commitment to the object of devotion. Being devoted to that object means you pursue it with constant attention and continual action. You don't let up, you don't give up, you don't walk away. The object of that devotion then exercises authority over us as it forms us, informs us, and transforms us. And a great many things have changed over the course of 2,000 years, but this hasn't. The church, God's people gathered together in Jesus through the Spirit, is devoted to the apostles' teaching and all of Scripture because they form, inform, and transform a faithful people. The, the church then, and the church now is to be, to be devoted to God's word, the apostles' teaching, and all of Scripture. It is for our good, and it is for God's glory. And I've said this to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy and gracious God, we praise you and give you thanks. You have not left yourself without witness. You have revealed all that is necessary for salvation in your written word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come upon us, bring conviction where we need conviction, bring encouragement where we need encouragement, wield that two-edged sword, and do your work amongst us. Holy Spirit, inform us, form us, and transform us into the very image of Christ, and glorify him in our eyes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let us stand together and continue our worship as we sing.